0: Of Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17. My heart's full this morning. This is, you know, this is so different, but you know, uh, and I hope that the live stream is as good uh, at your home as it has been here today. Uh, I've enjoyed the music and the singing, and now I'm looking forward to us getting into the Word just for a little bit today. And so Matthew chapter 17, in your Bibles, and I've preached from this passage before. <clears throat> Many of our Calvary folk will, uh, you know what, they'll, they'll remember this. But this week, as I was in Matthew chapter 17, God began to show me some things that, uh, in all the times that I preached out of this passage, some things that I have never noticed that I want to share with our, our church family today. And God's been so gracious this week to speak to our heart and uh, to, to just to teach us and give us truth this week. Uh, but I wanted, to, I wanted to bring something today that would be an encouragement and a blessing. I know some of y'all are, uh, uh, you know, we, we just know that there are a few folk that are a little discouraged. Uh, you're a little downcast right now. And I just want to encourage you. And I, that's what I want the service to do, to glorify Christ, but also to encourage you. And I want you to understand that, you know what, if his eye is on the sparrow, then you know he's watching you. And so... We know that God's got us in the palm of his hand. And so Matthew chapter 17, and look, if you will, at verse number one. The Bible says, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with him. And then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and be not afraid. And I want you to notice this morning, especially verse number eight, that's our text. The Bible says, and when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save. Save Jesus only, and just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about this subject. Is it time to adjust your vision? We're living in a crisis. We're living in the midst of a pandemic, uh, a dilemma. Things have changed. Now we're, uh, you know, under this state order. We're supposed to stay at home, and and everybody's focusing on things maybe they shouldn't be focusing on and so i want to take a few moments today and encourage us and ask that question is it time to adjust your vision so we're going to go to the lord in prayer at this time and we'll jump right into the bible study we're going to use our bibles a little bit so hold your bibles open and we hope that god will use the message today father thank you so much for the privilege to be back in your house again today and lord we're so grateful for everything that's already transpired. Thank you for every song. Lord, thank you that you're bigger than any mountain. And God may today, as we said just a few days ago, may we quit telling God how big our mountains are. And we, may we start telling our mountains how big our God is. You're bigger than any mountain. You're bigger than any pandemic. You're, you're bigger than any disease. You're bigger than any virus. You're bigger than, than anything. And then, Lord, we know that we... We know that we're okay because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. We're not in a Republican party or a Democratic party. We're in Christ. Lord, parties change, but Jesus never changes. And then, Lord, we're so glad that although things may seem difficult right now, that, Lord, you've reminded us that you are watching us. And we thank you so much for that. I pray, God, that you'll bless our Bible study this morning. I pray it'll be a blessing, and we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And Spirit of God, I pray that you would flow through this this means of technology. And uh, God, I pray that you would accomplish your perfect will today. Save that one that's lost, that's watching today. Oh, Lord, help them to come to Jesus, to be saved today. And I pray that you'll greatly encourage your people today. Well, Father, we love you. We pray Jesus will be pleased and honored and glorified through all that's done. In Christ's name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. And so we're coming to Matthew chapter 17 here. And if you go back just a little before Matthew chapter 17, just to give you a little bit of a background here, Jesus has just fed the 4,000 in chapter number 15. He then he and his disciples come to a little town called Magdala, Magdala. And it's right up there on the northern rim of the Sea of Galilee. We, my wife and I, wow, praise God, my wife and I had the privilege just back in July of being in Magdala and walking through the city of Magdala. There's not a whole lot there now. It's, uh, uh, you know, just a Uh, Some archaeological sites there and things like that. Beautiful spot right there on that northern uh, tip of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where they are. They went to the little town of Magdala. And and once there the Lord Jesus has an encounter with the Pharisees. And then he takes a lot of time to instruct his disciples. And then six days later we find that uh, Jesus is transfigured before his disciples. He allows three, Peter, James and John, to go up with him to the mount and he not only allows them to see his humanity, but we notice here that Jesus allows them or allows them to see his divinity. As for just a moment, he removes that robe of flesh. He is what we call the incarnate son of God. He is deity enrobed in human flesh. And just for a few moments, the Lord Jesus Christ disrobes, if you will, from that humanity. And he allows his disciples to see his divinity. He allows them to see his glory as his glory shows through. As I begin to read that story this week and the Spirit of God begin to speak to my heart. And I begin to think about, you know what? There There were so many different things that the disciples could have focused on during this time never seen this before, never noticed this before. I'll put a few of them up here on the screen for you today, but several things. How about this? Number one, we noticed that there were supernatural distractions present. Supernatural distractions. We notice here in Matthew chapter 17 verse number one, that they were high on a mountain. Look if you will at verse one, and after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain mountain apart. And again, I just, you know, I can't even say this enough, how I appreciate Calvary. And, uh, and back in July, Calvary sent my wife and I on a beautiful, beautiful trip uh, to the Holy Land. And, uh, and now after having been there, I can honestly tell you that, that the views in Israel are absolutely breathtaking. It's a harsh country. It's desertous. It's dry. There are different places you can go where there doesn't even look like there's one plant, not one blade of grass. It's just nothing but sand and rocks. I mean, there just are there are rocks everywhere in Israel. But in its own way, Israel is just absolutely a, a beautiful and a breathtaking place. I remember one instance, my wife and I, they took us up to what's called Mount Precipice. Mount Precipice. It's on the southern edge of Nazareth and uh, and as you're up on the Mount, you can look out over the city, which Nazareth is a very large place. And you can le- look out over the city of Nazareth. Uh, mount Prespice is that place where the religious leaders tried to take Jesus and throw him off the mountain. Some of you remember that story. And I remember as our as our missionary took us up on the top of Mount Prespice, and it was a very windy day there. And we went out right over there to the edge of the mountain. And literally, it seemed like you could see... Forever. It really made you feel like you were literally on the top of the world. Now, Mount Tabor is the traditional site believed to be the Mount of Transfiguration. That's argued. and Some believe it was Mount Tabor. Others believe it was Mount Hermon. And, uh, but regardless of that, if it was Mount Tabor, I would say this, that you know what? Uh, you have to go a long, long ways away uh, not being able to see Mount Tabor. It's way up there. It's high. It's a a mountain that's very easily seen from many, many miles away. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. Here the disciples are, they're on the top of this mountain, whatever mountain it was, and there are breathtaking views from every direction. And, And so we understand that there were very supernatural distractions. How many know that God's creation is amazing? Man, you ever seen some of the waterfalls that God has created? You ever seen some of the Mountains that that, that God put together. Some of the beautiful oceans that the Lord scooped out with the palm of his hand. And have you ever visited a site somewhere and you were just in awe of the beauty of that site? You're like, wow. Man, I've never seen something so beautiful in my life. Well, that's where the disciples were. I mean, they're up on this, this high mountain in Israel. And, and the views are just amazing. And so we understand that their focus could have been on some supernatural distractions. But then I thought about this. Not only supernatural distractions, but we noticed number two, there were supernatural occurrences that were happening. Look at verse two, if you will. The Bible says, the Bible says about the Lord, and it was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the, as the sun. And his raiment was white as the light. We notice here that Christ was transfigured before their eyes. The Bible says he shone as the sun, white as the light. The word sun there literally means the literal rays of the sun. In other words, as the Lord Jesus dropped that robe of flesh and his glory began to shine through, he literally looked like the literal rays of the sun itself. The Bible says it was white as the light. The word white there means dead white. In other words, you couldn't get any whiter. It was so white it was blinding. I'm trying to think of a way I can illustrate illustrate this, all right? Have you ever walked outside the next morning after a big snow? And the sun was just bright and the skies were crystal clear, and the sun was hitting that snow, and when you walked out, you're like, whoa. It was blinding. By the way, if you stay out in that long enough, it really can blind you. It was blinding, it was so white. It was just, it was blinding. Well, that's where they were. I think it would have been something similar to a welder's torch. Many of our men here at Calvary Baptist Church know a lot about welding some welders in our church, and if you've ever watched a welder as he begins to weld, you know what you, you you really can't, and you're not supposed to. You can't look at that at the brightness of that welding going on because it's so bright, it'll damage your eyes. And I believe that's what's going on here on the Mount of Transfiguration. There were supernatural occurrences that were happening. We understand that the disciples could have had their focus on many things, supernatural uh, supernatural distractions, supernatural occurrences. But, boy, how about this? Number three, we notice there were supernatural characters appearing. Look at verse three. The Bible says, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Now, I'm going to be honest, we read that, it's really not that big a deal. But you got to understand that back in, in this day and time, that these two prophetical characters were revered in Jewish culture. Moses and Elijah. You understand that Peter, James, and John had heard of these men all of their life. They had heard of the plagues. They had heard of the miracles. They had heard of Elijah calling down fire from heaven. They had heard all the all the lure and, and all the, the tradition and all these things. And, and all of a sudden, here they are. Moses and Elijah are right in front of them. You know how you feel when you get close to somebody who's famous. If you've ever been somewhere and all of a sudden, You know, maybe you were visiting Washington, D.C., and and you didn't know it, but all of a sudden the president came walking out. You're like, it's the president. He didn't shake your hand, but you were close to him. You could see him with your your physical eye, or maybe you were somewhere and and a movie star walked out, or maybe you were somewhere and an athletic celebrity walked out. People are awesome. Uh, People are awestruck by famous people. They are. Some, most of you know our church family knows our son and daughter-in-law pastor a church in uh, Los Angeles, California, and so we never thought we'd ever be taking trips to Los Angeles. But when you have four grandbabies, well, you take more trips to Los Angeles than you ever thought you'd take. And uh, but anyway, they're they're not very far at all from Hollywood. And I remember one uh, on one occasion we were there, and we were going to Hollywood. There is a uh, Garydelli's ice cream there in Hollywood, so of course we have to make that stop for my wife. and, and uh, but we were going down to Ho- downtown Hollywood, and we didn't even realize what was going on, but there was a, mo- a movie debut. We don't keep up with all that you know all that stuff. But there was a movie debut, brand new movie was coming out, Hollywood, and they were doing a debut that night in downtown Hollywood. So they had Hollywood Boulevard completely cr- closed off. And there were limousines and there were bright lights and uh, cameras flashing. And, and literally, there were thousands. I mean, when I say thousands, I mean thousands. There were thousands of people there that were lining the sidewalks. And, and they were all there for one purpose. And that was to get a glimpse of the movie stars. And just to, everybody was holding their cell phones up, trying to get a, trying to get a picture. They were going to get a picture with the movie stars, but they were going to get close. They were close to somebody that was famous. It hadn't been very long ago. In fact, one of the last times we were in California with the, with the children, we were flying back home to North Carolina, and we were, we were at Burbank there at the Hollywood airport and, and uh, getting ready to, to check our bags in and uh, just looked in front of us, and one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood was checking in right in front of us. Now, I just said that to say this. When people get around famous people, they get awestruck. You understand that for these Jewish people that this was bucket list type stuff. Moses and Elijah. I mean, this was the biggest of the big. This was the the elitists of the, of the elite. I mean, this was, this was uh, Moses and Elijah. Now, again, my point this morning is this, is that Peter, James, and John, uh, if they were not careful, it would have been very easy to get their focus on the special and supernatural characters. Not only do we notice the supernatural distractions and the supernatural occurrences and the supernatural appearances, but how about this? We notice there was a supernatural voice speaking. Notice verse number five. The Bible says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice. By the way, no voice like this voice. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. You say, preacher, a voice like no other voice. That's exactly right. Because when this voice spoke, we noticed that it took them to their knees. It was, in fact, the voice of God. Now, again, again, simple. This is so simple this morning. You say, preacher, where are you going? Hang with me. I'm going somewhere. It would have been very easy with all the things that are going on around these disciples. It would have been very easy for them to focus on this or focus on that or focus on this special thing or focus on this happening. But I want you to notice, if you will, Matthew chapter seven, verse number eight. The Bible says, and when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man. Save Jesus only. When all was said and done, their eyes were focused on none other than Jesus Christ. I said that to say this, Calvary, those of you who are watching my way of live stream. Maybe you're not a part of our church. Maybe you're, maybe you've never even been to Calvary. You may not even live in America. You may be watching from South America. You may be watching from across the waves somewhere. Uh, and you're not a part of this church. But right now you're, you know what, if we're not careful, it's very easy to become distracted. It's very easy to, to get our eyes on other things and other happenings and other occurrences. And, and I'm not making light of this in any way, but it's very easy for us to, to get our eyes on death and to get our eyes on sickness and get our eyes on a pandemic to get our eyes on disease. But I want to encourage us this morning that even in the midst of a pandemic, it's important that we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and Him alone. It was in 1918. A lady by the name of Helen Limble was given a gospel track by a missionary. She took that gospel track and She opened it up and it was entitled, Focused, Focused. She read that gospel track and after she read that gospel track, God so spoke to her heart that she sat down and she began to write a song. And it goes something like this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Somebody's watching today and you say, Pastor, I'm discouraged. Have you got a word for me? I do. Look full in his wonderful face. Someone says, preacher, I, I, I'm despondent this morning. I, I, I'm sort of, I'm battling with depression and I wonder what I, should, what I should do. Do you have any advice? And I do look full in his wonderful face and get your eyes off the distraction and get your eyes off the occurrences and get your eyes off the happenings and get your eyes off all the other things and focus your eyes and focus your attention and focus your life on the blessed and the darling son of God. Jesus Christ. See no man save Jesus only. Someone said he was born a helpless baby, yet he flung the planets into space. He lay in a manger, yet the cattle on a thousand hills were his own. He was tempted, tested, and tried, yet he could not sin because he was God. He worked in a carpenter shop and lived among humble folk, yet he could turn the water into wine and feed the multitudes by his mighty power. He lay in the bottom of a boat, asleep on a pillow, yet he arose to steal the tempest. He was the man of sorrows, weeping with others and shedding tears of agony in the garden of Gethsemane, yet he turned heartaches into rejoicings when he raised the dead and gave them back to their loved ones again. He died and was buried a lifeless corpse, yet he arose in triumph by the power of the Holy Spirit. He never started a college, yet he has multitudes of dedicated students. He never marshalled an army, yet he has thousands and tens of thousands of soldiers. He wrote a book some 2,000 years ago and yet today it still remains on the top of the best booksellers list in the world. Who are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is he. The Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the light, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Hey, Calvary Baptist Church, don't you be discouraged and don't you be depressed and don't you despair because Jesus is in control today. Keep your eyes on Christ. May I remind us that our Savior will have no ending. But may I also remind us he had no beginning. He came when there was nowhere to come from. And coming from nowhere, he stood on nothing. And the reason he had to stand on nothing, there was nowhere for him to stand. And standing on nothing, he reached out where there was nowhere to reach and caught something when there was nothing to catch and hung something on nothing and told it to stay there. Now the same God that's able to turn nothing into something is the same God that's able to take a good for nothing nobody and turn them into somebody to tell everybody about somebody who could save anybody. Somebody said he's the same Lord that can make a sick man well, an ignorant man wise, the bad man good, a good man better, and even a dead man alive. And you know what? I may be on live stream, but I'm about to have a spell myself this morning. John chapter 1, verse number 3. The Bible says all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Revelation 4, 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. He flung the planets into space. He formed the stars of the universe and then named them. Named them. He's got them all named. You say, "Ah, oh, come on, preacher. Psalm 147, four. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Someone said he placed the sun some 93 million miles away from the earth. Someone else said the sun is so big that if you open to the sun and you pour it in 500,000 earths, you can shake it and it'd sound like a baby rattle. It's so big that the sun is so far that if you got in your car and drove 100 miles per hour to the sun, it'd still take you 106 years to get there. And yet, Calvary, walk outside in just a few moments and you'll feel its warmth on your face. (laughs) What a God. Someone said he's the first and last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation, the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, and always will be. He's unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He's risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. And the leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And the people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The New Edge can't replace him. And ABC and CBS and NBC can't explain him away. He's light. And he's love. He's longevity, and he's Lord. He's goodness and kindness, and gentleness and God. He's holy and righteous, mighty and powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging, and his mind is on me. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. He's my guide. He's my peace. He's my joy. He's my comfort. He's my Lord. And he rules my life. I thought about Psalm 18.3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. (laughs) Shame on us for getting our eyes on a virus. Every time you turn the news on, and I'm, I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm just I'm telling you, every time you turn the news on, all you see are these little forms of some kind of a virus. I guess that's what a virus looks like. It's all you ever see. Virus, virus, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make light, light of that. I, we're praying for folks that are sick. I have some folks on my prayer list right now I'm praying for. But I'm just saying that if we're not careful, we'll get our eyes on all those things when it's very important for the child of God to make sure that you don't get sidetracked and distracted. It's important that Calvary Baptist Church that we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would we want to put our eyes on anything other than a Savior like that? I think in our church we have a few, maybe not many, many. We have a few golfers in our church. And uh, I'm thinking, i got a few coming to my mind right now. I know we got several that love to golf. You know, golf's a funny sport. And uh, you got to be really, really good to master golf. And I don't know if even if you're really, really good if you ever master golf. You can go out to Dick's Sporting Goods or you can go to Academy Sports. You can buy the most expensive golf clubs money can buy. Callaway. TaylorMade. You can, you can get you the ni- nicest golf bag, the most beautiful golf clubs. You can shine them up. You can buy the little socks to put on them so they don't get scratched up. You can then go back and you can buy you the most expensive pair of golf shoes that money can buy. If you've got the money, you could, you could go out and you could join the, 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 the most elite of country clubs. But you know what, truth matter is. There's one rule in golf, and it doesn't matter if you have great clubs. It doesn't matter if you're a part of a great country club. It doesn't matter if you have great shoes on. If you don't focus on the ball, you'll never be a good golfer. And and for those who don't play golf, just bear with me just for a moment. There's something about getting in that golf stance, putting that golf ball on the tee, getting in that stance. And when you swing, you know what, naturally you want to look down the fairway. But you know what, the golf rule is this, you've got to keep your head down and keep your eye on the ball if you're going to hit it true. By the way, did you know if you and I are going to be good Christians, there's a rule. And the rule is this, if you get your eyes on distractions, if you get your eyes on occurrences and happenings and pandemics and problems, you're not going to be the best Christian you can be. But if we'll keep our head down and keep our eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus, you know what? God will help you to be the best Christian you can be. I thought about that little story about the young man that was plowing. he's out out in the old field, and he's was plowing with a mule. And he'd, he'd get down to the end of the field, and his, his furrows were just as crooked as a dog's hind leg. He just could not plow a straight line. And he was so aggravated, and so somebody came to him, and, and they told him, they said, Son, I, said, I can tell you what your problem is. He said, you're looking at the mule. You're looking at the back of the mule. He said, here's what you need to do. He said, when you start, he said, you need to look down at the other end of the field. And he said, you need to put your eyes on something down there that does not move. And he said, you just plow toward that immovable. Oh boy, I'm about to get happy right now. Just plow toward that immovable object, by the way. He did that. He turned around and looked back. Man, that furrow was just as straight as an arrow. Hey, child of God, this is the word. If you get your eyes on anything else, or by the way, if you get your eyes on anyone else, get your eyes on a preacher. There's somebody watching today by way of live stream, and somewhere along the line you got your eyes on a pastor. You got your eyes on a preacher, and that preacher disappointed you. You got your eyes on a deacon or you got your eyes on a choir member or you got your eyes on a Sunday school teacher and that Sunday school teacher or that choir member did something that disappointed you. This is, my, this is my word. Get your eyes off of them. Get your eyes off of man. Get your eyes off of the happenings. Get your eyes off of the problems. Get your eyes off the discouragements and put your eyes on Jesus Christ today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Would you bow your heads with me today? And as we close this service, I want to take just a moment and I want to make an appeal to all those who are watching today. By way of live stream, it's very possible that we have spoke to somebody today who doesn't know Christ as Savior. And if that's you today, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven, you say, Pastor, can you know? Sure you can. First John 5, 13, the Bible says, These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And so the Bible tells us we can know. We can know. Would you realize the Bible says that we're sinners in need of a savior. For all have sinned. That's me. That's Brother Brandon. That's the men back here in the, in, the, in the sound room. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have fallen short of what it takes to get us into heaven. The Bible says because of that sin, that we're supposed to die. And ultimately, it will be death and hell. The Bible says in Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so my good friend that's listening or watching, if you die without Jesus, the Bible says you'll, you'll go to hell. Wow, you say, Pastor, don't you have any good news? Man, I have great news. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his blessed, perfect, spotless son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus came, lived a perfect life. Every sin I've ever committed, ever will commit. Jesus took those sins upon himself and he went to the old cross of Calvary and there they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And Jesus bled and suffered and died to pay our penalty for sin. They took him off the cross and they put him in a grave. But the Bible says that three days later, God raised him from the dead. He's a living, resurrected Savior. And my friend, I want you to understand something that that Jesus did all of that for you and for me. He died, was buried, and rose again to pay the penalty for our sin. You say, Pastor, I believe that. Do you think Jesus would save me? I don't think. I know he would. The Bible says in the book of John, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 10, 13, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, wherever you may be, If you believe that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again, paid the penalty for your sin, why don't right now you just invite him into your heart and life, receive him as your savior. Just pray something like this to the Lord. Just bow your head right now and just pray something like this to Jesus, not to the preacher, but to Christ. He's listening. And say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins, I'm sorry for my wicked ways. I ask for your forgiveness right now for every sin. Lord, I believe that you died for me and rose again. And right now, I invite you into my heart and life to be my Savior. Jesus, save me. And take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Now help me to live for you as never before. If you prayed that prayer today, would you do this? Would you just post it? Maybe you're watching by way of uh, of YouTube or maybe you're watching on Facebook today and you say, Brother Pope, I just prayed and I invited Christ into my heart and life. Would you just post that right now in the comments and just say, preacher, I got saved. Pastor, I just invited Jesus into my life. And we would love to rejoice with you. If not, if not that, write us. Write us, P.O. Box 298, Union Grove, North Carolina, 28689. And we would love to rejoice with you and maybe even get some helpful materials into your hands. Calvary, we love y'all. Appreciate you watching. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, live stream again tonight at 6 p.m. And so please be praying for the service. Father, thank you so much. This is so different, but it's been great. It's been so good. And God, I thank you for allowing us to meet together as a church family. Lord, bless our dear people. Encourage them. Sustain them through these times. And God, I pray that you'll do great, mighty things in their life. Those that are discouraged, God, today, I pray today would be a great day of encouragement. And God, I pray that you'd strengthen us in the faith. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts tonight in the service and we pray that our Savior, Jesus, would receive honor and praise and Lord from all that's done. We sure love you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.